Hello, and welcome to the Brick and Mortar Detroit podcast, where we discuss business, real estate, lifestyle, and travel. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage. 16 years in the industry, experience in full-scale renovation, property management, customer service relations, previous certified apartment manager, and Airbnb super host. I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many professionals that I could find. Today's guest is Ken Thompson, owner of Math Realty LLC. I'll let Ken take it from there and tell us a little bit more about himself. Hello, my name is Kenneth Thompson Jr. Um, like Eric just mentioned, I'm a real estate broker at Math Realty LLC. Um, I'm 14 years in the real estate industry. Um, I pretty much started off on the property management aspect, um, just coming in as an administrative assistant, just really learning the ins and outs of real estate. Um, just over the years, just went up the level as far as property manager, and then begin becoming a salesperson, and then eventually becoming an associate broker. So um, I've worked um, with my previous broker for about 11 of of my 14 years and um and i was primarily doing property management i was able to uh you know meet a overseas investor who came over and they they bought like a lot of properties just pennies on a dollar so um you know we got up to 400 units in property management so that kept me that kept me pretty busy at the time. And then it gave me a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge um, just uh, on the investment aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, when that started to dwindle, um, just because of the, the volume and, and contractors, it was, it was several factors. Um, but again, the experience was priceless. Um, it allowed me to you know, see how to, you know, open up the brokerage as far as setting up the property management software, um, you know, getting new accounts, making sure I'm insured, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the last, well, well, the end of 18, I met a executive director of a nonprofit uh, here on Detroit East Side called Life Builders Detroit. And um, I pretty much partnered with them and opened up a real estate brokerage just so I can do all of their acquisitions. Um, So we're right here in the east side, which is the eight mile in Kelly area in Regent Park. And and we just just been kicking off these, you know, home buyer programs, first time home buyers. So this nonprofit, started off as a faith-based community development. Um, they were pretty much working with, you know, people in the neighborhood who were, you know, transitioning from, you know, jail, uh, mm-hmm. primarily like mothers. And then um, they did a lot of like faith-based, again, community, like they, the, the house that I'm in right now, this was one of their resale shops. Mm-hmm. They would just pretty much have Wednesday Bible study and they just got to know the community. Um, and they've been here about 14 years. 
So in that, they've been able to build relationships with uh, city council members um, and things of that nature. And now we are getting into the, well, they've been in it, um, but now, now we're really getting into turning the renters in this area into home buyers. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the 48205 area code. And this was like the murder, you know, red zone. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just amazing to see how over the years that this, this area has started to trans, transform due to life builders. And then I came on a part of it mm-hmm. um, just on the real estate brokerage side mm-hmm. and just been trying to just acquire as many properties as possible and just do full renovation. So mm-hmm. them being a nonprofit, they are, they're able to get like city funds donations and yep. these houses have been completely renovated all the way down to the studs. Mm. And the the great thing about the program and about this nonprofit is that we are not selling these particular houses to investors. Um, you know, investors kind of um, hurt cer- certain areas in the city because there wasn't any type of pride in the people that was going this, into some of these homes. Absolutely. So with this, you know, with this organization that I'm with, um, we've found home buyers and not just any home buyers. Like we, we give them home buyer education classes, you know, financial literacy, like how to help them on their taxes, um, you know, lending assistance. Hmm. So um, these properties are base are income based. Hmm. So whatever the median income, well, the median income of this area, you know, based on how many occupants, you know, they're affordable homes, and they get a home that's pretty much had two to three times the sales price. Hmm. Um, funded for the project so it's it's a substantial amount of money that's been put into the houses and we got I just did three sales this year I'm saying granite countertops uh, central air all new windows new roof new framing uh, new flooring just really pretty much a top to bottom almost a, a brand new house you know just renovation and rebuild so they do a lot of good work that's beautiful and, uh, i'm just happy to be a part of it um, and just outside of that i still do property management um and i'm really just on the outside kind of learning you know a few council people um through this organization because i want to implement this into the neighborhood that i grew up in so I'm slowly buying property in the neighborhood that I grew up in Mm. and just starting my portfolio. And then I'm on the back end. I'm just learning. Mm. Absolutely. You know, the nonprofit side of it moves because uh, my ultimate goal is to do new construction, new development. Uh, Mm. That's why I got into also getting my residential builders um, license. So math realty will be a full 
functioning real estate brokerage and residential builders company. And uh, that's the, the gist of me and my journey in real estate. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. So a uh, question for you, like, have you always been communal as far as wanting to do something in the community or did this opportunity kind of just lead you down a path? Growing up, I, I think I, I grew up in a pretty good area, but I, I didn't really, like, I guess because I was so close up on it, I didn't see how the neighborhoods were starting to transition in the city. Hmm. And just having that, that conversation with different generations, like what they was able to do versus what we was able to do. Like we was able to go down to the park and play. We had basketball rims, but there was a time where I was just like, man, the rims thing came down. Like who's supposed to put these rims back up? Who's exactly. supposed to fix the park back up? Who's mm. supposed to? And that's where I, I was see. like, okay, <laughs> I need to get more involved because these kids don't have anything to do. And then like with the nonprofit, I'm also uh, on Wednesday, we have boys basketball. So we have a Bible study in basketball. And actually last Wednesday, um, uh, what, I think about 20 young men was blessed with uh, some Steph Curry basketball shoes. Beautiful. You know, through, through uh, you know, life builders. So it's just great to volunteer and be a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, the kids have something to do at least once a week if they're not into, you know, extracurricular activities at school. That's beautiful. So I mean, it sounds like you're pretty busy. Um, I can. This is the time. This is the time. I, I mean, that's a great answer. I feel like I can be doing even more. And, mm -hmm. When I look at uh, Mr. Johnson, who's the executive director of Light Builders, yeah. uh, he's probably in his uh, 70s and he's moving just as well. And I think that's because of, you know, the work of God that he's doing in this area. So sometimes that's I look true. at him and I'm like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> that's good, though. That's good. You guys are running it right back in a circle, you know, so mm -hmm. that's really good for the community and, and the boys around you to see that, you know, as they grow up. So I guess my first question to you is, what do you look for in a home to renovate? Like specifically as a part of your process, what are you looking for in homes when you guys find them to renovate them? Um, well, the foundation is always most important. Um, you know, I mean, without a foundation, you can't build anything. So, and that's true in life, you know, but especially in real estate. So, of course, you're looking for the foundation of a good sound basement, no, you know, no water damage. Um, and actually, one of the houses that they got from the land bank, it had foundation issues. So we still excavated and rebuilt the back foundation wall. Um, but, I mean, if it's in the area and it's it's savable mm. and it's not an eyesore. Um, we, we got some investors that's, you know, this organization is willing to take it on. Awesome. Me personally, um, I got a fourplex right now that I'm working on. Um, this is gonna be one of the biggest projects that I 
have, that I personally have done. Mm -hmm. um, and in this property, I have to replace the the beam, the foundation beam in the basement. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, hopefully people will get to see that journey. I'm going to put some of that on my social media as I start renovating this fourplex. It's definitely a journey, definitely mm -hmm. a journey. But um, I don't know, like once you do one or two or three or especially like a duplex or a multifamily, it just makes you feel like you can do so much more. You know what I mean? which is, it's a great project. It, it's a humbling project, but it's a good one for sure. So I'm sure you're going to do great with that. And I definitely would like to, to see more. Maybe we can come back and cover that and talk definitely. about what's going on. But, Those were the exact same words of the appraiser. And like I've done many single families, renovated, mm -hmm. you know, and repaired and et cetera. But yeah, this fourplex um, <laughs> and it was, a, you know, it had fire, it has fire damage. So yeah, humbling, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Teaches you patience, though, you know, uh, and to go with the flow because it's always going to be something that's just, I don't know, affecting the other thing. You fix something, something else goes, but it's, it's not a bad thing, but, you know, it's just kind of, at least it taught me quite a bit um, about having a home and kind of being preventive um, versus just kind of reactive. Uh, so that's always been great. So out of your, you've done 12 renovations so far, right? Do I have that correct? 12 renovations? Mm -hmm. Roughly, yeah. Okay. So like what has been the most consistent issue during the renovation process um, out of these 12? The most consistent is reliable contractors. Um, and that's that was another reason for me getting my residential builder's license because you know I I don't want to weigh so heavily on one contractor or two contractors because they have the knowledge and the experience or primarily the knowledge so it's just like being able to you know let them know that I understand the lingo and mm -hmm. you know I do have the the information and knowledge to kind of speak on a contractor standpoint and just you know letting them know that you know you're being contracted for this job and you know I expect you to you know fulfill your duties on your end just like I'm gonna fulfill my duties on my end mm -hmm. or the financial um you know component of it but Absolutely. Uh, the relationships with contractors is, is vital um, when it comes to rehab and construction I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. And then, so what has been, this might be a similar question, but what has been the hardest part of the renovation process? Maybe more so for you versus the more common person who might do this, but for you specifically, is there a part of the process that you find particularly hard or bothersome? No, I just, you just have to know it's systematic. Mm -hmm. Like, once you learn, the wheel has already been invented. Mm. So you just have to, you know, um, just work the system in a, in a sense. Mm. So it's just making sure that you are not shortcutting anything. You know what I'm saying? You're doing foundation first, electrical, then 
you know, mechanicals, plumbing, you know, you, and not in that particular order, but just making sure that you're doing certain, like not trying to put something, the cart before the horse, as the, you know, older people would say. Absolutely. Just going things systematically. Yeah, I totally agree. While the walls are open, especially if you're taking it down to the studs, just like yeah. do, do the electrical, do the plumbing. Like you're never going to want to pull these walls open again. So exactly. definitely don't cut the corner because later it can be very costly. So just do exactly. it. <laughs> so, okay. So what would you say to any people starting off that are hoping to get into the home renovation space? Do you have any advice or guidance or something that you found to be important that you wish you would have known? Um... I mean, if you're getting in this space, everybody says the the most important thing is to just start. Like nothing's going to be perfect. And then you have to expect that things are going to go awry a little bit. But that's all a part of the process and just trusting the process. This is like, you know, with anything like to be great at it, you know, you're going to have some missed opportunities, you know, um, you're going to fall short, but you just got to keep going and, and, and just trust and believe. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it, it just teaches you a lot. And faith is a big part of it, right? It, mm-hmm. Everything tends exactly. to work itself out. You may not know how, but you'll get through it. I mean, time goes and you'll get there. So it's just the trust in the process, having some faith, believing in your capabilities, you know? So I totally agree with that. So, mm-hmm. What's been the most satisfying part of rebuilding your old neighborhood? Oh, the most satisfying part, um, building my old neighborhood. It's primarily like seeing the younger generation might see me doing something. Hmm. And like initially, like right now, you know, they might see me if, if, you know, I take off my the shirt and tie one day and then I go in there and I do some demo and mm. it's just like they don't see it they don't have the vision like at this point but once it's completely you know renovated mm. and like wow like that that property was just sitting there and what nothing was being done with it mm. and and he went over there and he just put in time and effort mm. and now look at it so it's just giving them that sense of not waiting on somebody else to come do it like we can do we can transform our own neighborhood absolutely we certainly so, can you know our our young people just um just recognizing that it's within them that that they can do it you know we all can a community can come together and we all can get it done like two can do way more than one you know uh very true one, one could put a thousand flights two could put ten thousand flights exactly in the bible exactly so um it's just letting the younger generation know that you know it's it's up to us to do it um and it can be done I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, it's really as simple, just it's starting with like curb appeal, you know, see some trash, pick it up, you know, especially, exactly. if, I mean, come on, you, if you're walking over trash, those types of little things, you know, just putting time and effort towards like, no one's coming to save you, no one's coming to fix it. And when they do, typically, sometimes you're not a part of that picture anymore. So if you really want it, 
then you have to keep it and maintain it and make sure that people feel that you do want it, you know, and you, you can be a part of that conversation. But time and effort and energy is that where you place that in your community, it shows, absolutely. Right. It's, it's just a sense of pride in where you live at, too. Yeah. Like, like, you definitely, like, to restore that and just to change people's mentality mm-hmm. because some people say, you know, depending on what generation you was born in, they might feel like, well, it's always been like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like letting them know, like, no, nah, it hasn't always been like this. <laughs> it used to be it's beautiful. Just been, it's, right. It's been, it used to be beautiful, like, people's mentality and, you know, that sense of pride of home ownership was totally different. Like, the, the older people, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, like, man, so much pride. Like, our neighbor, she, she had flowers just all over her house, just beautiful every year. Just, she was well in her 60s and 70s, like, planting these flowers, like, every year. She, she went all out for Christmas um decorations absolutely um and it was just like wow like it was so effort Mm. effortless Mm. it seemed like you know because she just stayed consistent and she did it every year and then now you just like some people like oh that's a lot of work like it's really not (laughs) a lot of work it's just once you get started you know, it's just like your body, once you start working out, you got yes. muscle memory. Yes. Like it's going to remember what, what to do. It wants and it. That's the same thing to do, you know, when it comes to taking care of a house. Like, you know, every year you want to do the same thing. You want to get mm-hmm. the furnace checked before you turn yes. it on in the wintertime. Absolutely. You know, you, you want to check your filter in the furnace. You know, it's just right. systematic things that you could just do every year and it just becomes repetitive. Mm-hmm. You don't realize like, Wow, like oh yeah, I'm not exerting that much energy because I'm doing it so regularly versus oh I'm gonna do it this one time and try to <laughs> do all this and then now I'm tired. Like, yeah, because you try to do it all at once. Yeah, it is. And it's funny you say that because it's kind of like how I live my life now. And it's not even just like my house, but my life. And if you let things pile up, then it does, it becomes a chore to do it, and every time you do it you become adverse to doing it because it was a lot, you know what I mean? Rather than maintaining. So like, you don't have to clean your whole house up at the same time if you don't want to, but you see something, pick it up, vacuum this day, you know, and just kind of maintain. And it's not a big chore or whatever. And you kind of said something about that a little bit earlier and just kind of sparked how, like my dad used to tell me stories about how Detroit was so beautiful and communal and everybody had you know, a sense of pride for their house, because in their day, it was an accomplishment to have a house. But for us, a lot of the people in our generation get houses from um, inheritance and things like that, but they never were taught to take care of that house. And the next thing you know, they just got this house that has all these problems because they have not maintained one thing and then everything is expensive to do. You got a, a roof that needs to be repaired. You need gutters, you need um a new furnace whatever you know updates and yeah it becomes very expensive and then next Mm -hmm. thing you know you don't want to do it or you keep trying to like cut the corner and then it just gets worse and worse and worse and next thing you know you don't even really have a house to live in or if you do it's like you know decrepit so that's definitely something i want to bring back so I, i love to see what you're doing it's very positive very very positive so Ideally, what does your vision look like? So as far as what you hope to accomplish in your neighborhood, the community, like, do you want to 
create like walkable neighborhoods? Um, you want to see restaurants and businesses or community centers? Like, do you have a whole vision or is it just kind of like, I want to start with the houses and then kind of figure out how that all works together from there? So it's, it's, it's something in my neighborhood, um, actually. It's an old Chrysler building. Mm. And um, I'm from the 48227. So okay. pretty much, you know, um, Schaefer, I-96 mm -hmm. area. And I remember um, going to school or just, um, just riding past that old Chrysler plant and it being so vibrant and seeing people going there and work every day. And that's, it's funny because I was looking at this building and it's been an eyesore for years, but they just recently um, announced that there's gonna be like a $66 million um, redevelopment for this property, uh, which is on like Plymouth and Hubble or right before you get to Hubble. So it's an opportunity zone. And just before I really read that article or saw that article, I was just like, I was really asking God, like, I want that property. I knew it was like $4 million <laughs> in back taxes owed on it. Mm. And um, my thing is like, so I love real estate. That's what pays my bills. Um, but I also got a passion for filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was able to do a couple of indie movies. And I was just like, man, like looking at what Tyler Perry is doing down there in Georgia with that studio. I just saw that that mm. that this potential old Chrysler building being a studio for that area and bringing jobs to it. Mm. Now, I heard it's supposed to be like 300 jobs being brought to the area for mm. this. Uh, redevelopment or whatever they're planning on doing. I got to read more into the article. Sure. But just seeing that, and it was just like, you know, when you bring financial stability to an area, you could just, you're going to see it change mm -hmm. because, you know, once that's there, you look at the, the neighborhood lounges and bars, you know, that get patronized during lunch from the employees. Um, you look at the child caring centers, you know, because these parents are working so they get to drop their kids off and it just starts a domino effect. So it was just like, what can you, what, what could I bring to the community that could start mm. that domino effect? Mm. Um, framework. So that, that's like my dream. Like if, if I can get like a studio or something like that going, mm. um, an event space, um, a co-work space, mm. um, just really just bringing something different, some different opportunities to the community and just seeing that organically develop. That's, that's like my dream. Like, yeah. That's beautiful. So I, like basically I, development. Yeah. Yeah. Community development. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's it's coming. It's coming. Definitely. Yeah. So you start with a framework and, you know, for me, it just like you said it brings everybody else because there's just a convenience that comes along with it like why do i want to drive my kids out to the suburbs you know to you know have for daycare or whatever but i work right here i eat lunch right here it, everything needs to be around me but if i don't have that then i have to like you know make other choices because i don't even have the options around me so 
yeah, our house is right here, but what does it matter if I still got to drive 25 minutes this way and then come back? My job is just right around the corner. So you need the whole thing in order to actually have it all work together in unison. So that framework, that community development, I definitely love it and I love to see it in Detroit. Yeah. And then it's just really like the, the circulation of the dollar too. And you can see why the dollar only circulate, circulates in the neighborhood, you know, for less than a day, they say. Mm, it's yeah. because you have to travel out to get a lot of, you know, standard basic services that should be right in the neighborhoods. Very so, true. Very true. Know, hopefully, you know, with the with you know more jobs, you know, everything can stay like people can open up these little small mom and pop restaurants. They can open up these small little brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clothing stores or, you know, whatever that, that may be, coffee shops. It's just like, a, it's a lot of stuff that we just kind of miss. And we're more than just barbershops and yes. car washes. Yeah, and liquor stores. <laughs> exactly. Liquor stores. And, and restaurants, back. fast food. Like, it's yeah. like, okay, like, how can we think <laughs> a little bit more, like, yeah. You know, yeah. outside the box? And for me, you know, as long, especially if the population is there neighborhood-wise, like, the more places that open up, the more patrons you're probably going to get because they're looking for options and they are looking for more than just a barber shop. Like how many times would I just go around the corner instead of going somewhere further out because it's there, you know what I mean? Like you said, the options mm-hmm. is just not there. So we start doing that, then we start rebuilding the community a lot quicker than kind of waiting for, you know, city money or investors or, you know, some big project to come to your neighborhood and now everybody cares, you know? So that's right. definitely a, a great, great direction. So Aside from renovation, or I guess it could still be loosely around that, but what thoughts would you share with people who are looking to get into Detroit real estate specifically? Is there anything that comes to mind when you hear that question? I just encourage people to, one, you know, kind of do their research. Um, I definitely encourage them to find um, not only like real estate brokers like you and I, but people that, brokers that are invested in the area as well. Like not just looking, oh, I just, I just want to do the transaction. Like if they're not invested in the, you know, the city, the neighborhood, then I'm, for me, it just doesn't sit, it, it doesn't sit right. Um, there has to be more than just the, the financial component of getting a commission. Um, how invested is that person in the neighborhood? So if you can find that, and that person is generally gonna have relationships and, and knowledge about what's coming. So you can make a better sound investment. Like if you know you, you this far from an opportunity zone or nothing's really happening in this part of town, you know, it's going to be a while. You're just going to have somebody buying something that might have just a a super long-term return on investment. Exactly. Exactly. Versus uh, just not doing your research along with them and just seeing how knowledgeable they are in that area to to get you you know an investment 
not just one, but hopefully it's just like, oh, this one went so well. Let's do it again. Let's do it exactly. again. Like, let's, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that because, you know, even if you're experiencing one neighborhood or one part of the town, you know, sometimes there's still moments where I would still refer out to another broker because that's just their space, right? And I do care about people getting the best deal or for their particular investment or project, being with the person is going to get them where they need to go versus having a bunch of hiccups and having a problematic relationship. And that is where I kind of like working with other brokers and everything like that, because I, I trust you to be good in your space. I trust you to know about your area and be able to give people information that's going to be helpful to them so that they can plan down the line versus like, oh, just, you know, hoping and praying, because that really is not the way to do real estate, especially in Detroit, so... All right, so moving on. So what thoughts would you share with people who are looking to get into Detroit property management specifically? So this is kind of always somewhere I like to touch on because I believe that every property that you buy, you know, you're kind of starting with property management in the beginning. Even if you're planning to flip it or whatever, you have to be able to make sure that the property is maintainable in the meantime. So do you have any thoughts that you would share with people? Give me, give me that question again, Eric. Okay. Um, hold on one second. So what thoughts would you share with people who are looking in, to get into Detroit property management specifically? Okay. So I think the, the most important thing when people are thinking about getting into property management is what's the geographical area that that property management works in? because you got a lot of property management companies that's, you know, in the suburbs, you know, far up north, and they're trying to manage Detroit city properties. And they don't know the area, they don't know the people, they're not vested. Um, and they try to, you know, place a tenant and their location is, you know, 13 miles away from the actual property. Like I think the, a good property manager should be, you know, in a good, you know, 20 to 25 minutes to the, to the property. Um, Cause they should know, you know, they should know that area. Um, they should know the people and just know how to interact with them. Um, I get a lot I get a lot or quite a few accounts where it's just like um, my property manager never comes. He, they never check on the property. Like they never come see about me. Like it's pretty much Cinderinian and there's no relationship that's right. been like, built with the, you know, with the residents. And I don't like, I don't really like the word tenants pretty much. I like residents because it makes them feel a little bit of a sense of, you know, ownership in it. Mm -hmm. like, this is your residence and you're here to, you know, maintain it. Like sometimes the, the word tenant, it, it gives them like this, it's like no commitment to it. There's no reason to kind of keep the property up. Right. Exactly. Uh, back to what we was just saying, as far as the, cult, the, the curve appeal, like things of that nature. Mm -hmm. I've had like some friends, some friends, Parents, like when I was little, I didn't even know that they were renters. 
I thought everybody owned the home when I was, you know, young. And then when I got older, you like, oh, they didn't, you know, but they took care of it like it was theirs. So that's, you know, that's changed. And I think that's because some of these property managers are so far off, like, and they kind of out of touch with the with the people in the city or the or the residents in the property. So yeah, definitely getting a property manager that kind of you know isn't afraid to go Absolutely. to a home interview <laughs> or or sit down with the tenant. Like it's a problem if you you fear the tenant or you fear the neighborhood that the property is in. Like Absolutely. You, should, you should be managing that property. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that is those are all my questions for today. Um, I got a quick word from our sponsor. And um, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah. Um, so my company, MAV, um, this is my acronym. It's, it stands for making all things happen. So that's the one thing. That's like my mantra. That's my goal um, that I'm trying to, you know, that I'm always trying to do as far as make all things happen. Like I always believe that, you know, we can, we can get the job done. Like you said, like reaching out to other brokers, you know, even if I don't have the information and knowledge, just the smartest person is know that you're not the smartest person in the room and you are, you know, able to ask for help and things of that nature. So um, my goal, for 2022 is to get 50 new home buyers. So if I can, you know, if anybody can can help me do that, you know, I greatly appreciate it. My my website, um, you're gonna leave all my information. Absolutely, absolutely. You'll send it to me, and then when I edit, I'll post everything in there. Okay. And also um, in the links and stuff like that, they'll be able to get yeah. you. So just reach out to me if there's anything I can do. Again, as far as uh, property management or residential sales. Um, I'm here, I'm in the city, um, downtown, west side, east side, suburbs, you know, um, I'm, I'm out here. Absolutely. So like I said, math, making all things happen. I do got some apparel. This is one of my shirts, um, which is property over popularity. And um, uh, my half, Tag is do the math. So everything is just like the positive over the negative, like beating all the beating the odds, and you know, and whatever we whatever you're doing. So I'm always trying to encourage people. Um, Six two eight four clothing um, That's some of my merch. Uh, it helps me to you know do some acquisitions with this four unit. Um, hopefully. Um, one of the units I can do like six to to a year where I'll do like rent free because I own it free and clear. Nice. Um, and hopefully, you know, like a young family, a young mother or anything like that, you know, that's that's kind of my plan. Like at least get them on the path of getting their finances together. Nice. You know, they can save up for six months to a year. I'm still working this out. Um but getting them on the road to, to becoming a home ownership, a, a homeowner. Um, and yeah, my, my key thing is, you know, my existing tenants, if home ownership is a goal, um, you know, I'm trying to see how I can get them from the apartment 
to the starter home. Uh, awesome. 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 Well, a quick word from our sponsor. Is work or real estate getting you down? Are you feeling burned out or depressed? Well, there's a solution you can use right from the comfort and privacy of your own home computer. Center for Establishing Recovery is Metro Detroit's leading provider for e-therapy. If you're in need of a listening ear, contact Center for Establishing Recovery at establishingrecovery.com. I'm your host, Eric Andrews, founder and owner of Brick and Mortar Detroit Real Estate Brokerage, 16 years in the industry, experience in full-scale renovation, property management, customer service relations, previous certified apartment manager, and Airbnb superhost. I started this podcast for boots on the ground insights from not just one, but as many professionals that I could find. Ken, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. It's been great. I love what you're doing. You've always had a very positive and focused vibe, and I've always appreciated that about you. So thank you for the time and good luck with everything. Thank you. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Bye. Brick and Mortar Detroit podcasts and newsletters reflect the opinions of only the authors who are associated guests of podcasts and do not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. They are for informational purposes only and are not a recommendation of an investment strategy or to buy or sell any home, security, or asset in any market. They are also not research reports and are not intended to serve as the basis for any investment decision. Any third-party information provided therein does not reflect the views of Brick and Mortar Detroit LLC or any of their subsidiaries or affiliates. All investments involve risk, including the loss of money, principal, and past market performance does not guarantee future results. We always recommend you enlist a professional entity for any investment decision you may be considering.